Jesus answered and said unto them, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. Therefore, my kingdom is not from here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty toward God to the pulling down of strongholds and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If there ever were a contrast that contrasted someone who loves man and desires to give his life for men with one whose life and followers is devoted toward killing, maiming, and hurting people. It would be the contrast of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ versus that of Muhammad and his followers. I'm sure many of you have grieved over this weekend, over those folks in Paris who lost their lives. Their lives are lost to the point, to the degree, that they'll never have the opportunity to repent and change their lives. We ought to pray for people like that who are suffering in those families. But we also ought to realize that the Lord's church is not here to take men's lives. It's our purpose to fulfill the mission of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ And that is to save men's souls. As we begin our lesson this morning, it relates to that very topic. There's a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And children love the story of Zacchaeus. I know why they do. Those little children, as they move in and among the adults, they can't see. They have to stretch their heads or sometimes stand up on the pews just to be able to see over the head of someone in front of them. They can identify with him. And yet, as we read and study the story of Zacchaeus, we have to recognize it has a profound message that's not just for children. It has some great lessons for us as well. And if you think about Zacchaeus as he climbed up into that tree to be able to see a little better, to see a little further because he wanted to go a little bit higher, I'd suggest to you this morning what I'd like for us to do is to see a little higher, study to a higher degree as we go through this passage from Luke chapter 19. We're going to go through verses 1 through 10, and we're going to look at four things about Zacchaeus. We're going to look, first of all, in verses 1 and 2, that he was a sinner. Then we're going to look in verses 3 and 4, how he was a seeker. Then in verses 5 through 7, we'll see how he was the sought. The Lord was looking for him. And then finally, in verses 8 through 10, to be the saved. Let's begin as we start this passage. There's so much information in verses 1 and 2. We could really spend a lot of time here, but let's just survey it for just a moment. Luke records, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. 
Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Now as we begin our study here, I want you to notice the first thing that Luke tells us is that he was passing through Jericho. The Lord's on his way to Jerusalem for the very end of his life. You know, he's concluded that great Galilean ministry and he's making his journey and he's following along the Jordan River Valley and he comes to the city of Jericho. If you back up just a few verses into chapter 18, verses 31 through 33, then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. And all things that were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered up to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. You have to focus in your mind. The Lord knows everything that's going to take place. Describes it in detail to them. But they're on their way. They're passing through Herodian Jerusalem. And you say, well, how do you know it's Herodian Jerusalem? Because if I read Matthew chapter 10, or Matthew 20, Mark chapter 10, the last few verses of both of those chapters reveal to the Lord, us, that the Lord had departed from Jericho, and there he had healed blind Bartimaeus, Jericho, actually, if you look on the map, has three different locations. There was that ancient city that was conquered by the children of Israel when they crossed over the Jordan River. But beyond that, there was a rebuilding of it, and there was that small village that was just south of there. And that's where Bartimaeus was. But then you come to Herodian Jericho. Herodian Jericho was where the palace of Herod the Great was located, where the rich people would live. We would say it's the new part of town that was very well developed in a beautiful place. Jesus was passing through this area, and he confronts and meets a man by the name of Zacchaeus. We tend to think Zacchaeus may mean small, but the name Zacchaeus means clean or innocent. And you think about what mothers and fathers name their little children as they're born. A lot of times they name them after their family members, but sometimes those names had some real significant meanings. For instance, you think about Moses being drawn out of the water. You think about Jesus. You will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Zacchaeus was named to be innocent or to be a clean person. But Luke then goes on and describes him to us. And he tells us that he was a chief tax collector. That means that he was not just only a tax collector, but he was over other tax collectors. Only time the word appears in the Bible. He's like a manager, like an overseer of the most despised group of people on the face of the planet. And you say, well, surely not. A tax collector was despised because he collected funds 
for the Roman government. Just imagine a nice, beautiful new couple comes in to visit with us. And you greet them and you say, have you moved in the community? Well, sure, good, we're glad to welcome you here. What do you do for a living? I'm an IRS agent and I go out and I audit people. Well, it was nice meeting you. (laughs) You see, we all have our own views of people who collect taxes. But you see, they collected for the Roman government. That made them even more despised. Let me give you a good illustration. Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They were so despised, they wouldn't even eat with them. They're the kind when you would go into a restaurant and you see them over, oh, I don't want to hang around with those people. I don't want to be anywhere near them. But let me tell you something about the tax collectors. They were some of the most receptive people to whom the Lord went. Do you remember Matthew, also called Levi? He was a tax collector and he was one of the apostles. But Luke records for us back in chapter 15 and then chapter 3 and chapter 7. You can see a, a real good picture develop. Luke 15, 1, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. They're the kind of people with whom the message of Jesus resonated. I want to hear what he's got to say. You go back to chapter 3. John the Baptist is preaching. The tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? He said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. I like when you get to Luke chapter 7 and you look at verse 29. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God having been baptized with the baptism of John. These were people who were receptive. They saw themselves as sinners. The second thing that Luke tells us is that he was rich. Being rich in and of itself is not sinful and it is not wrong. However, the Bible does tell us that being rich carries with it a greater difficulty and a temptation. Matthew 19, 23, Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard. Why is it hard? Because rich people can often place their confidence and their trust in the riches that they have. They can want to hoard them to the point that they are not willing to share. When Paul wrote Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, or to be nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good. Let them be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. You see, Zacchaeus 
not just being a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. Would have been, man made lots of money. But he was also a person who didn't let that overtake him. But you know, when you look at the way the people looked at him, the people looked at Zacchaeus and just like they did the other tax collectors and said, this man's a sinner. Verse 7 of Luke 19 but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, even if he profited by a false accusation, he restored fourfold. I want you to see Zacchaeus as who he really is. It wasn't as if he made the false accusation. But he here is the chief tax collector. What if someone under him, one of the other tax collectors, maybe someone getting started who is greedy and wants to be able to have more, has made a false accusation and has exacted more than he was supposed to be given? Look at verse 8. Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. I want you to understand, I am not trying to cheat anyone. Though Zacchaeus was evidently an honorable man, he was still a sinner and he was still lost. When you look at that final statement of Jesus in verse 10, he said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was lost. He needed to be saved. Now here is a principle that we all need to understand. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone. Some admit it while others will not. Ecclesiastes 7.20, For there is not a just man on the earth who does good and does not sin. Not a one of us can claim perfection. But you see, when you look at people, sometimes their attitudes are, I am more righteous than you. In Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 13, the previous chapter, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat himself on the breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The tax collector was willing to admit it. The Pharisee wasn't. So we've seen Zacchaeus, the sinner. Let's talk about Zacchaeus, the seeker, for just a minute. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd for he was of a short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. I would say that if you ask someone about 
the account of Zacchaeus. The first thing they would say, he was short. The second thing that you would probably say is, he climbed up in the sycamore tree to see Jesus. But I want to point out to you, when you say he wanted to see who he was, it wasn't like some of us who maybe, for instance, would like to stand by as one of the famous maybe music stars passes by and say, oh, I got to see this person or that person. Or maybe as we would go to a, an athletic event and, and say, oh, I got the, the signature, the autograph of, of my favorite star. No, that's this is the word to perceive, to understand. It wasn't as if he just wanted to see Jesus walk by. He wanted to know who Jesus was. In John 12, verse 21, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Are they just wanting to see him and say, Okay, I saw him now. I've marked that off my bucket list. No. They wanted to know more about Jesus, who he was, that he was the Son of God. Hebrews 2 verse 9, the writer says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste of death for everyone. You see who he is. That's what Zacchaeus, he's interested in our Lord. Being of a short stature, though, everybody else is going to block his way. You know, sometimes you, you see really tall people and you stand in their midst and, and you feel very intimidated, but you also feel very blocked from view. And so what he's going to do, he's going to run ahead and he's going to climb up into a sycamore tree. If you go to the city of Jericho today, you're not going to Herodian Jericho. You're going to that old city, the one that Jesus would have already passed through. But if you go through as a tourist, one of the obligatory stops is to stop by the sycamore tree that's in downtown Jericho. And there's a photograph of the tree. And uh, you think about Zacchaeus climbing up in the tree there in Jericho as Jesus passed by. I will tell you that lowest limb's about six to seven feet off the ground, so it would have been high enough for him to get above the crowds. Those who desire to seek Jesus will find a way. You know, I, I have no doubt this morning that if you're interested here and you're not a Christian and you really want to know, you're going to listen carefully to the lesson. You'll listen to the Bible classes but if you really want to know, you'll say, like the eunuch did, of whom does this prophet speak, himself or some other man? And as Philip did, he began at that scripture and preached Jesus to him. Sincere seekers can find, you know, Matthew 7, verses 7, and going all the way through verse 11, ask and it will be given unto you, seek and you shall find. Or Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If you were raised with Christ, seek the things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. 
Set your mind on the things above and not on the things on the earth. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. They put an effort into it. So we've looked at Zacchaeus as the sinner, Zacchaeus as the seeker, but now let's look at verses 5 through 7 and look at him as the sought. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained and saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Now, it's so easy to see what Zacchaeus was doing. But you've got to turn now and look and see what Jesus was doing. Jesus was also looking for Zacchaeus and people like Zacchaeus. Here's a man who's interested. Here's a man who wants to know. Here's a man who has done what it took to find the ability to see Jesus. Jesus is pictured as a shepherd looking for lost sheep. You go back just about four chapters to chapter 15. And while you're there... Jesus is going to use three parables to talk about lost things. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And when he talks about the lost sheep in verses 4 through 7, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and goes after the one which was lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. You see, our Lord is trying to get people to understand he cares for the one. For the one person. There's Zacchaeus up there. Does the Lord care about him? Absolutely he does. In Ezekiel 34, one of the reasons why the children of Israel are in such a pitiful shape was their shepherds had not been looking for them. They'd been letting them wander. Nobody was trying to bring them back. Verse 12, verse 16, And the shepherd seeks out his flock on the day which... is among the scattered sheep. So I will seek out my sheep, deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and a dark day. Verse 16, I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up what was broken, strengthen what was sick. I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. God said, I'm looking for the lost sheep. When Jesus came to this earth, 
He came to find lost people and to save them from their sins. Now the question is, will we do like Zacchaeus? When the Lord said, make haste, come down quickly, Zacchaeus. I'm going to go to your house, your home. He came down quickly, received him joyfully. Will we welcome Jesus into our homes, into our families as he is seeking and looking for us? Which brings me to the fourth part of this lesson, and that is Zacchaeus the saved. Let's look at verses 8 through 10. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. If I've taken from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now one of the things that I observe about Zacchaeus was that he was a man willing to make things right. What do I need to do? The Lord's now invited himself to come to my house. Am I going to accept that invitation? The Lord wants to save me. Am I willing to do what it takes? Well, Zacchaeus was willing to make things right that had been wrong. He didn't let his wealth stand in the way. He had already dealt with that. Is there something that's an impediment? Something that stands in the way? Do you remember the question of the eunuch? What hinders me from being baptized? You remember the question of Ananias in Acts 22, verse 16? And now why are you waiting? What is it that's an impediment that stands in the way? Luke 12, 15 says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Zacchaeus didn't make his life on what all he had. He gave it away. In fact, chapter 12, verse 33 says, Sell what you have, give alms, provide for yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. Chapter 18, verse 22, he told him to sell what you have and distribute to the poor. You have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Is that not exactly what Zacchaeus was willing to do? But you know, even the very best of people have to realize that there are mistakes that have to be rectified. You know, sometimes even unintentionally we do things that we wish we had not done and should not have done, but are you going to ignore those things or are you going to address them? In chapter 3, Luke records the work of John the Baptist. The tax collectors came to him to be baptized and said, Teacher, what shall we do? And so he responds, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Look at verse 14. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? And he says, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely 
and be content with your wages. You see, everyone has something that you have to be careful to take care of. Are there sins in your life that need to be addressed? Zacchaeus was willing to do that. And so Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. That's the words of our Lord. Salvation has come to this house. And he makes a statement. For he's also a son of Abraham. Was the Lord just saying, well, he's, he's a Jew and I'm going to save him because he's a Jew? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, there's a lot more to being a son of Abraham than just having him as one of your ancestors. Remember in John chapter 8, Jesus was dealing with the Jews and he was trying to talk to them about being made free. And they were trying to say, you know, we've not ever been enslaved to anyone else. He said to them, Abraham, they said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. You look at him. You look at the way Abraham conducted himself. He was a believer. Galatians puts it very well, the Galatian letter. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. Verse 7. Verses 26 and 27. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ to put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ... Then you are of Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Oh, a child of Abraham is a Christian, is a follower of Christ. Jesus wanted Zacchaeus to be saved. In fact, God doesn't just want Zacchaeus to be saved. In 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What a great invitation. But you know, if you come to the Lord, you've got to come on His terms. Romans 1 and verse 16 says that it is the gospel is God's power to salvation. Jesus taught us to go out and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that he had commanded. Zacchaeus, an example of God's love, the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the concern for man. Will we be like Zacchaeus? Will we come to try to see Jesus and come humbly with a desire to be saved on his terms?
I'd return to that thought, desire finds a way. If you'll get your songbooks now, we're going to sing the invitation song. This song is to encourage you to respond to the Lord. If you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, or if you need to be restored to faithfulness, the Lord bids you come as we stand together and sing.